Hi, I'm Tim Armstrong, Head of Occupier Services and Commercial Agency for Knight Frank Asia Pacific based in Singapore. I'm here today with Devon Moser, Head of Project Management for India and Andrea Brown, Head of Project Management for Australia, uh, our two senior leading uh, people for project management across the region. So Devon, I might start with you. Uh, India at the moment, what's the state of play? So we, uh, there was a lockdown which was announced yesterday till May 3rd. Uh, so it's an extended lockdown. So we'll effectively have uh, now a six week lockdown. Uh, and uh, there have been uh, a notification from the government that there will be uh, relaxation from for certain services, uh, including construction industry, where uh, we have to make sure that the, there are uh, labor camps which are properly sanitized and the, the labor is, uh, the, all the EHS uh, guidelines are followed in terms of resuming work at any construction site. Uh, but the challenge would still remain for, for corporate fit-outs where we don't have that luxury of creating labor camps uh, in and around the, the premises where we're working. Okay. Andrea, what's the, what's the state of play in Australia at the moment? We're in what's called a stage three um, lockdown. That essentially means that um, whilst we're not um, effectively housebound, we um, our ability to go out to the, I suppose the outside world is fairly limited. It has to be for a certain purpose, for example, um, for work, for cook, for, for food, for obtaining medicine or healthcare, moving house is another one. Um, and also that also means when we are outside, we can exercise, but we have to be, be um, maintain social distancing and also be in no more than groups of two unless it's a family unit. I suppose one of the main differentials between Australia and um, India at the po this point in time is um, construction is still considered an essential service. So construction work is still progressing on site. Um, one, one thing to note is um, legislation from a WHS perspective in Australia is, is fairly significant. We have unions in some states that obviously um, provide additional guidance and um, we're and finding most instances, obviously in all instances, that construction work has been able to be continued as required which is which is good for everyone um yeah so that's probably and we're probably at the moment we're considered as being in the position where we're uh, flattening the curve as is a term that's being used um but no we're not considering a deadline for when we will be start easing restrictions um at this point yeah okay um i mean you guys are both experts in the project management space so i really sort of want to use today to to tap your your uh, your brains there and really focus on what the short to medium term looks like because I think the narrative is slowly shifting to getting back to work. I think economies are realising they can't stay locked down forever and there's going to have to be that balance between getting the economy going but also keeping people safe. What? How do you sort of see a, a transition back to work in, in your respective countries and what does that look like in, in the office world, um, Devon? So, you know, with what all companies will surely have in common post-COVID-19 is a renewed focus on creating spaces that are safe, healthy, and embrace wellness principles and practices. Uh, many surely will seek uh, uh, to enact new policies and protocols around space management and cleaning. Uh, so, uh, as we consider these office changes, we should also consider that we've what we've learned in uh, recent years. So there have been 
epidemics in the past. And some countries had actually started implementing those uh, in the past. But now it's become a global thing. So, you know, the, com- the countries which have not implemented those, uh, you know, uh, guidelines in terms of health and safety would now consider it. So, and many companies will, will weather this COVID pandemic with realization that the w- remote work has an important role to play in their real estate and operational strategies going forward. Uh, some will emerge with a new appreciation for workplace and value in person collaboration and teamwork. Others will consider implementing flexible work to reduce the size of their portfolios. So that's what I see a change uh, or shift in the thinking of the CREs. So Andrea, I, you know, picking up on Devin's theme there around health and safety, um, you know, there is the, the shifting thought about getting back to work and I think more people are giving more consideration to that. But uh, in terms of, you know, to keep the economy going, to keep people employed, it's obviously got to be done in a way that takes into consideration health and safety. Are there any immediate things that you think we will see or that uh, businesses can do to, to keep that um, health and safety focus? Um, yeah, thanks, Tim. Look, picking up on a thread that um, obviously Devon just referred to, look, 80% of infectious diseases are transmitted by touch. So absolutely cleanliness and being able to demonstrate cleanliness is going to be top of the priority list for for um, building owners and corporates. Um, we're, we're going to see possible not a full shift from everyone working from home back to full, obviously, in the office. We'll see a transition happening over a period of time. We're currently working with a, with a client at the moment who is looking to the future of what that looks like. And we're actually now placing the current fit out, which is on site, only chairs at every other workstation to accommodate a transitional move of the workforce back into that space. I suppose from a, from a broader perspective, you know, we need to look at the sort of the short to medium term. We'll start considering touchless or contactless technology. Um, there's talk about um, do we then have everything controlled by our mobile phones from a base from a base build perspective? That will be the, the building owners will be seen to use that as an attractive proposition to attract corporates to their buildings. But within within the tenancy space, are we going to look at are we going to see um, greater separation in future design of of occupiers? For example, are we going to have um, less dense populace within a building? Um, so that will be interesting. Devin, you're um, you're probably no doubt you're involved in Knight Frank's um, planning for for India and getting back to work. I mean, I, I don't assume we're we're going to rip the office up and start again. So, what what are we going to do there in terms of getting the, the teams back in and to work? You see, there there are a few short term and long term things which uh, I have planned for. As uh, the first thing would be uh, a transition to unassigned seating that allows employees to establish their own boundaries and pick the seats that enable distancing you know not many people know that that the you know the assigned seating desks are proven to be dirtier than even toilets you know this is because the cleaning crews are typically instructed not to touch anything on some person's desk uh, but in an unassigned environment the clean desk policy can actually be cleaned every night and it's it's more sanitized so so it's become uh, you know it should become a norm. Uh, we need to consider uh, flexible timing. We need maybe four-day work week or staggering 
uh, teams across five days to reduce the density up to say 20 to 30 percent. Uh, we need to reorient our work points so that the individuals are not uh, directly face to sitting face to face to each other. Uh, remove, you know, additional seats and communal uh, spaces and conference rooms to give more spaces to to people to move around. Uh, install, I think that that's something Andrea also uh, talked about, is install white, uh, voice activation or hands-free controls. Uh, uh, now switch to VOIP communication technology instead of using handsets on the desk. Uh, assign lockers to people so that they can, you know, leave their personal stuff and not get those into the offices. It's one of the, you know, reasons of containment. Uh, you know, remove trash cans. It's a very simple thing. So if you have individual trash cans uh, on uh, on your desk and replace them with a communal location where, you know, you can actually control, uh, you know, if there is somebody who's infected and it's not then spreading across. Then we should establish screening proto protocols, fewer checks for everyone who is entering the workplace. Uh, we should look at the humidity levels between 40 to 60 percent because at the lower humidity levels, the virus, uh, you know, actually multiplies faster. Uh, and then also work with the building management system for improved air, air circulation, filtration, ventilation system, and also have try to have operable windows to get fresh air in. I think these are some of, uh, you know, the short term things we can immediately implement in our workplaces. You, you spoke about HVAC there. I mean, whose responsibility is that though? Is that going to be on the landlord to do it? Will there be pressure on landlords to do it? What's what's going to happen there? Because obviously, tenants probably can't do much in that capacity, or can they? So you know, we have to uh, go back to landlords and uh, with their building management system, and you know, uh, set a protocol in terms of cleaning of the filters and cleaning of the systems on a regular basis. So. There has to be a new protocol which has to be set up for, you know, maintenance of these equipments. And the most important part is to get more fresh air into into the office space because the more stale air you keep on circulating in an office, the more chances of uh, having, uh, you know, uh, virus spread in in a contained office. Yeah. Okay. Um, Andrew, you spoke then about um, touch about touch spreading the disease and being the uh, the easiest form or the most common way of spreading it. Is this then the end of um, ABW and, and uh, sort of hot desking? Um, no, I don't think so at all. I think, you know, ABW or agile working is, is has always been about, uh, ad, I suppose, adapting your, your, your work environment to suit what you need to deliver as a business business requirement it's 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 not a one-size-fits-all um piece At, you know we did just because we might necessarily be wanting to increase building um i suppose amount of space per person within the office we can still be rather creative of how we do that you know we look at what the, the future what workspace is potentially is potentially becoming anyway it's becoming a, a lot more about um, creating a space for innovation and thought um, does that necessarily mean that you, you 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 don't have an agile environment? No, absolutely not. You're still going to want to create place 
and space to, to generate the best thought. And that's not just from the corporate perspective, but it's also the building owners. The building owners will be looking to push those boundaries even further as to what they what they need to deliver in order to satisfy you know, attracting the best talent into into their building and into and, and to support the corporates and what they need to do. Yeah, okay. I, I, one thing I'm trying to get my head around, and I still haven't got the answer here, but I'm trying to work out if it will a business require less space or more space. So you could find the argument that they'll need less space, more people will work from home, but then you can counterbalance that by going, but no, less, there will be less travel now as a result that we're all comfortable. You know, right now we're all talking to each other across Australia, India and um, Singapore. So why can't we do that? Um, and why do we need to get on planes to see each other? So we think there'll be less business travel. So more people will be in the office and that will offset the working from home thing. We spoke about, you know, maybe people don't want to be so close together. So giving them more space between. So there's an argument either way. Do you have a view on on what you think will happen with footprints um, through the design and, and the working from home phenomenon, Devin? See, it's very important to remember that while someone's roles or function may well adapt to working remotely, there are a host of individual considerations and circumstances that must be considered before employing a new workplace practice. Uh, you know, people you are asking to work from home, uh, do they have the environment to do that effectively? Uh, you know, do, so what allowances are you prepared to make knowing that those uh, work uh, remotely would want an occasional interaction with others? You know, one thing we should not forget that we are social animals. We, we thrive on being together. But as a global community, we know that embarrassing the concept of social distancing is equally important post-COVID-19. So one, you know, the office uh, footprint won't reduce. Uh, what we're saying is, uh, you know, maintaining a social distance, we may go back to the earlier norms of, uh, you know, giving 150 or 200 square feet per person which was in practice for uh, 10, 15 years back. We actually came down to, here in India, we came down to around 65, 70 square feet per person. So that, those norms in workplace would change. Uh, but we, we would need offices, we would need community spaces, because, you know, I think uh, this uh, is not a long-term solution of work from home. You know, many people would, experience feelings of isolation, loneliness, or, you know, even uh, uh, you can say cabin fever, you're, you're just confined to one room. So, you know, I think going forward, it would be a mix of few people working from home. It would be uh, multiple shifts so that at any given point of time, you have uh, uh, lesser number of people working in office so, so to maintain the social distance. Yeah, okay. Andrew, what, what's your view? I mean, I don't think Australia, correct me if I'm wrong, ever got down to six to seven square feet per person um, as an average. It could be wrong. But do you, do you think we'll see companies needing you know, bigger floor, floor area than they probably have had in the past for the same amount of people? Um, or do you think it'll be less because people will be working from home? 
I don't think that's a question that could be answered in isolation. I think you're, I think what we're looking at is how we treat the whole commercial space. You know, people are going to want more flexibilities around their leases. There's discussions about larger floor plate corporates wanting to have multiple leases across across their premises in, within the same building in order to provide them that flexibility. Um, we also need to think about creating hubs we've talked about the hubs you know Devon's talked about this about attracting the talent into the space um we look at you know what australia we work in square meters in australia typically typically it's one in ten and i can tell you about number of months ago i was talking about you know one in eight you know and now i'll be looking at flipping that and going the different direction i don't know um to be honest i think how, how we use the space and what we use the space for is, is going to be critical. And I think understanding what the business requirements more than anything is going to be critical to success. Um, as an example, I can, there are many, many, many corporates in, in this world who three, four months ago would never have conceived any form or even a partial form of flexible working and who have all had to make the shift very quickly to some level of working from home or roster system. Um, and that is, that will, that's a catalyst for thinking things differently and, and a catalyst for change. Devon just talked about shift work. You know, is a typical working day going to be nine to five in the future? Are we going to look at office buildings which are typically vacant overnight and are dead space? You're paying rent for 50% of the time when you're not using the building. Are we going to look at how we we use that space better in the future? It's, it's an interesting time to be. And I think people are going to be much more open to considering what the business space needs to do to drive their business requirements. And, you know, it's also, it's not only about offices, also about, you know, public transport. You have to maintain social distance in while you're traveling as well. So that's, that would impact how people would work or operate in the offices. So the roster system or the shift system would, would address that issue. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I've also heard too that, um, you know, in offices now, there'll have to be more virtual meeting rooms. So um, I think as people have now become used to what we're doing here, um, they will do more virtual face-to-face calls with colleagues around the globe. So they'll want more uh, breakout rooms and small private sort of meeting rooms to do these calls. I'm not sure whether that, um, or if people are working from home equally, but I think rather than a phone call, they've accepted that they want to sort of see the person on the other end of the, the screen. So I'm not sure whether you sort of foresee that coming into the, the picture at all or, or whether... That uh, was happening or. That was happening already, Tim. That trend was already being brought through. With I know we've talked about agile work space being led by education, um, and that's already education. How education is being delivered globally is already changing. There's a lot more use of VC and virtual and VR as well, and there was already discussions about how that would be captured and brought into the work workplace. For example, in edu- for example, through the VR process, you can mind map. You can articulate a problem and and a scenario and then the coming together at the meeting is just to just to, to drive the resolution um and so look i think that was something that's already happened this covid19 might escalate that thought and again as i mentioned earlier um encourage people to think differently about what their business actual business requirements actually are um, Andrew, I know you've got a particular passion for industrial facilities. Um, I've talked to a few people and I'm hearing thoughts about automation 
coming in. Um, obviously, you know, a machine doesn't get the virus, so it still functions and, and works through. And, and I think e-commerce has received a, a steroid injection through all of this. So many people who have never used it before are using it for the first time. Do you, do you foresee any changes along those lines um, or anything in the industrial space that we should be looking out for? Yeah, look, industrial is a really interesting space, obviously, at the moment. Um, it's certainly um, going to, it's certainly still reasonably buoyant. We're seeing quite a few, um, I suppose, trends. Um, I'll talk about, I suppose, automation first. I can never say that word. Um, look, you know, one one of the reasons people traditionally have, have shifted in that direction is because labour, potentially, for example, in Australia is relatively um, expensive. Um but if we're looking to diversify our supply chain and keep it more onshore, then automization allows us to address the labor content and um, and provide alternates and more local based products. Um, I, I, you know, if you think about um, in Germany, they use that process really successively in, in car manufacturing and to be able to deliver still within Germany high quality cars. Um, so that's quite an interesting concept. Um, supply chain diversification I certainly think that will happen I think um, people will want to um, contribute more to the circular economy um, we're also also the online spend piece is really interesting lots of people did a bit of online spending first um, and now they're doing a lot more and it's interesting is it's more of it's quite an interesting sentiment still if you speak to people out there it's about how uncomfortable they feel about going to a shopping center at this moment in time. And you wonder how much that sentiment will continue, that safe, that feeling of being safe in an area. And um, so therefore I think the growth of um, e-commerce is certainly going to benefit for all of this. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's gonna be a huge reorganization of the world supply chain post this. You spoke about it, there's gonna be a need for, certain companies are probably offshored too much of their, their manufacturing um, of, of priority goods like pharmaceuticals. I'll need to bring that back. Um, you know, I think there'll be less of a reliance or people want to have less of a reliance on their manufacturing coming out of China. So they'll be shifting. India, I think, has got huge potential debit in that space. I think, um, I mean, we've seen the Japanese government dedicate a couple of billion in stimulus to, for their companies to, to relocate from China, which I think is almost unprecedented uh, because they felt in February they couldn't get uh, enough of the electronics parts that they wanted to finish goods. So I think India probably is a huge beneficiary in the industrial space. Yeah, uh, you know, it is what uh, countries like America and Japan are considering to, you know, uh, I won't say completely move out the manufacturing uh, from from China, but uh, the dependency on China, uh, they're trying to reduce that. Uh, they're definitely looking at India, and uh, I've got a few inquiries uh, regarding that. Like, for example, Apple, uh, they want to set up a manufacturing plant in India. So, uh, you know, this would definitely help us uh, in terms of industrial growth. Uh, now, coming back to what COVID-19 has done, as you know, we've seen what Andrea uh, also spoke about as uh, a boost in online shopping, especially groceries. I never shopped groceries online, but you know, now I'm forced to do that. Uh, but it's certainly become uh, not only convenient, but it's safe as well. So I think uh, you know, it will take time for us to go back to that scenario where we, you know, we, we frequently would visit malls. So uh, I think 
at least for next six to eight months, we won't see uh, much footfall in places like malls or even cinema halls. So everything uh, is now, you know, people have realized that things can can be uh, controlled from home. Yeah. So, uh, in a, you know, in fact, I was I was talking to uh, the industrial guys and uh, but we did mention that a uh, uh, lot of uh, companies uh, want their uh, distribution centers within the city limits now. And there's a huge demand for next six months. So this can be a short term thing. But I think, uh, you know, if they see there's a lot of demand of online shopping, then there will be, uh, you know, a boost in creating all these DCs uh, in in the cities. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely going to be a need for last mile logistics with everyone turning to groceries online and so on because perishables, you need to get them there quickly. Um, I mean, just to finish, you know, always try and be glass half full and it is challenging times, so we've got to be a realist, but we all sit here in three or five years' time, what do we look back on and say um, things have changed for the better or the experience we learned from that has made us better because of? What, what, how do you sort of finish that sentence, Devin? See, uh, I think uh, there will be a lot of focus on health and safety now uh, and, uh, and social distancing because, uh, you know, it's not that this kind of pandemic it's just suddenly come. So in last decade or so, we had various pandemics. We had SARS, we had Ebola, but fortunately for us, that was then sort of expand to this level. So I think with with this experience, a lot of not only companies, but even individuals would focus on health and safety and how that would be implemented at homes, in offices, in industrial places. So that would be a key focus area for the next decade or so. Yeah, okay. Andrea, um, you might have similar thoughts, but but what, what's, you know, we sit here in five years, what, what are we looking back on with a positive spin? I'd like to think that uh, in five years' time that the, there'll be a much more sustainable um, culture, um, so much more sustainable um, sourcing of products and, um, the like I say, playing more to that circular economy. Um, the one thing that history's always, always told us is that in times of, um, I suppose, war or famine, etc., out of all of that comes innovation and ideas and here we are. I know it's terrible times for many, many people out there, but we are talking about ideas still. And most people, if you start talking to them, do have ideas. And most of those ideas are very positive and will, will, will result in what is a better environment for everyone. Um, yes, cleanliness, health and safety, sustainability, all things which, quite frankly, we should be, we already do, but we just want to be doing them a lot better. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a incredibly humbling experience no matter who you are whether you're the wealthiest man or the poorest man we're all in the same boat we, we still are bound by the same rules and i think it's incredibly humbling and 
um, you know, shows us that we are all equals at the end of the day and, and the need to, to rely on each other and, and work together. So, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly a, an interesting time. But, Luke, I thank you two both very much for your time. I know we've got a, you know, Knight Frank's worked really hard in building our project management business over the last few years, and you guys have driven that. Um, we're incredibly proud. I think we've got over 350 project managers across the region uh, and can cater for, for all the needs of anyone out there. So I really do appreciate your time. And thanks very much and, and stay safe. Thanks, Tim. Thank thanks, you, Andrea. Tim. Thanks, Stephen.